You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 214, Back to School Q&A, second edition. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Welcome to another episode of the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. Have you signed up for your back-to-school mini session yet? These sessions are only available for another couple of days, so be sure to snag yours now. Whatever questions you have about school issues, whatever you're struggling with right now as it pertains to school, we'll tackle it in this 30-minute mini-session where I'll coach you and together we'll find a solution that feels good and right for you. You can sign up for that at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash school through September 15th. Your actual session can take place after the 15th as long as you sign up by the 15th. Today's episode is a Q&A about school issues. Last year, I did a similar episode, which I'll link to in today's show notes, because there are some great questions that I answered in that one. And this year, I posted on my Instagram stories and offered for people to ask me, a former K-8 school counselor, anything about school. I think I have a unique perspective on things as a mindset coach, a mom, and someone who worked in a school with kids and families for several years. By the way, if you're not already following me on Instagram, you can find me at Less Drama Mama. I'm always posting helpful parenting tips, and you can reach out to me there, ask questions, leave comments. I love interacting with podcast listeners on Instagram. So there are four questions I'm going to answer today. Thank you to everyone who contributed. I think these questions are relevant to parents with kids of all ages, and I invite you to share this episode with friends, family, teachers, anyone you think would benefit. The first question is, My daughter is the third wheel on an eighth grade BFF duo. She constantly feels left out, but resists expanding her friend group. She's only interested in finding her way into their dynamic, but it doesn't work. I'd love to see her try some new friends. So there really is no question here, but the mom seems to be looking for some advice. And so first of all, dear listener, it makes total sense that you want your daughter to have new friends. You don't want her to feel left out. None of us want to see our babies struggling socially or emotionally. But the way you're thinking about this circumstance puts you in emotional pain and makes you less effective as a mom. What if what's happening between your daughter and her friends is exactly what's supposed to be happening for her highest good? I want you to be willing to consider that she's going to learn something valuable from this situation even if it means feeling left out and hurt in the process. You said that she's resistant to finding new friends right now. That's not a problem until you believe it's a problem. We don't need to change her, convince her to make new friends, or fix her feelings. Your only job, and the only thing you truly have control over, is to love her unconditionally and show up with curiosity and compassion. What might happen if you shifted your focus from how you want her to behave to how you want to behave? What would you do or not do? Give that some thought 
Your daughter's path is perfect, mama, and you've got this. The second question I got is, what are some good ways to prepare your child for a bully and how can you stop a bullying scenario before it escalates? Great question. First, I want to define what bullying is. There's a great book I used in my guidance classes at school called The Eight Keys to End Bullying by Senia Whitson. And in it, there's an activity called Is It Rude, Mean, or Bullying? In this activity, kids are given several scenarios and they have to determine whether the behavior in the scenario is rude, mean, or bullying behavior. What I've found from doing this activity with numerous classes over the years is that we tend to overuse the bully label. So let me define these terms for you as Senia does in her book. Rude behavior is accidentally saying or doing something that's perceived as hurtful. Some examples are chewing with an open mouth, interrupting, bragging, or making inside jokes in front of people who don't get them. Mean behavior is saying or doing something with the intention of hurting a person once or maybe twice, and it's usually done out of anger. Examples are making fun of someone, name-calling, gossiping, or pushing someone down. To understand bullying, we want to remember the three Ps. Number one, it's done on purpose. There's nothing accidental or unplanned about bullying. Number two, it's a pattern. The cruelty happens over and over again. And number three, it's all about power. There's an imbalance of power where the bully has more control and influence than the target. Examples of bullying include telling someone every day they don't have any friends, leaving someone out every time they go to recess or PE, and teasing, picking on, or physically hurting someone on a regular basis. I think that true bullying is somewhat rare, but many kids, at some point or another, behave in ways that can be perceived as rude or mean. Now, while I can't claim that the tips I'm about to share will guarantee your kids are never bullied, I think they'll at least give them a better chance of not becoming a target. The first tip is to model respect in and out of your home. Kids who are used to being treated with respect and witnessing respectful relationships will be better able to detect mean kids and bullies and steer clear of them. The second tip is to talk about and teach kindness and empathy. There are so many children's books about these topics and countless examples on TV and movies or even in your neighborhood grocery store where you can observe people being kind or unkind and then have a discussion with your child about what you observed. The third tip is to teach our children the most empowering thing we can teach them and the most empowering thing we can learn for ourselves, which is that no one else has the power to hurt our feelings. As Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. It's what I've been talking about on this podcast from the very beginning. No one else can make us feel anything because we create all of our feelings with our own thoughts. Bullies gain power when we give ours away to them, when we make their behavior mean something about us instead of realizing that it's all about them and how they feel about themselves. When we feel self-confident and believe that we're 100% worthy and lovable exactly as we are, no one can take our power away from us. I've worked with hundreds of kids over the years and I haven't found one that doesn't struggle with negative self-talk on some level. We all do. 
And when kids don't feel good about themselves, some of them take it out on others by being mean, while others allow themselves to be treated poorly. Remembering this and teaching it to our kids will hopefully help us have more compassion for ourselves and each other and be kinder to each other too. Finally, role play with your kids and ask them questions about what they do in different situations. Take turns being the bully, the target, and the upstander, the one who stands up to bullies even when they're not the target themselves. The more kids can rehearse what they do in different situations, the better prepared they'll be. The third question I got says, do you think there's a healthy way to introduce kids to social media? What boundaries would you set? All the negative parts of social media are really obvious, but there are some really cool things on Instagram, especially when it comes to art, dance, photography, cooking, travel, etc. This is another great question. So as a school counselor, I saw a lot of those negative parts of social media, including kids as young as eight years old looking at pornography, kids posting inappropriate pictures and videos of themselves that got shared and passed around, online harassment and cyberbullying, and kids communicating with strangers. I saw it all. Now, I'm not telling you this to scare you, but these dangers exist, and we need to be aware of them to be able to protect our kids and help prepare them to make good choices. I want to suggest thinking about social media the way we think about cars. Cars are amazing. They get us from point A to point B in far less time than if we walked or rode a bike. We can stay dry in a car when it's raining. We can listen to music or podcasts in our car. We can pack our car with heavy things to move around instead of carrying them ourselves. We can bring drinks in the car and put them in cup holders. But there are dangers when it comes to cars too. That's why there are age limits for driving and rules of the road and safety features like seatbelts and backup cameras. There are age limits for social media too. And you get to decide the rules and put safety features in place. I can't tell you what you should do for your family, but I recommend you check out sites like commonsensemedia.org and have ongoing open conversations with your kids about the pros and cons of social media as they get older. We teach our kids about driving safely and prepare them as much as we can, but the only way they're going to actually learn to drive safely is by driving and making decisions on the road. And sometimes those decisions are going to end up with negative consequences. The same is true with social media. We do the best we can, and at some point, our kids need to learn by making decisions for themselves and dealing with the consequences of those choices. The last question I got says, how do we address anxiety and fear of speaking in front of others for our second grader? This is something we struggle with for our little girl. What's so interesting to me about this question is the way the mom phrased it. This is something we struggle with for our little girl. So who is struggling, the girl or the parents? When you want to show up in support of your kids, it's vital that you manage your own thoughts and feelings first. If I were coaching these parents, I would want to know, why is her anxiety and fear of speaking in front of others a problem for you? If she wasn't anxious or afraid to speak in front of others, how do you imagine you'd feel? My guess is that you're worried about your daughter and you believe you would feel calmer if she wasn't anxious. The truth is nothing has to change for you to feel calm right now. The worry you feel isn't caused by your daughter's anxiety. It's caused by your thoughts that she shouldn't be anxious 
that there's something wrong because she is, and that she would somehow be better off if she was confident speaking in front of others. But what if her anxiety is no big deal? What if it was okay for her to be anxious speaking in front of others? If you truly believed that, how might you show up differently to your daughter? I think I left you with more questions to answer than you gave me. And that's the beauty of coaching. There's no one right answer, just the right answer for you right now. If you have follow-up questions for me, DM me on Instagram or email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com and I'll be back next week with an interview episode. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.